0: To the Becoming You podcast with your host, Rachel Wood. This podcast is designed to help you step into your greatest self with solo episodes with Rachel and her guests and their stories of becoming. Let's dive in. Hello, 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 my sweet, amazing friends. It's your girl, Rach. And we're back here for another episode of the Becoming You podcast. So glad that you're here. Today is another solo episode with moi, yours truly. And we are going to talk about a couple of things, but the overarching theme of today's podcast is going to be about how we're going about taking care of ourselves in the coming weeks and months. So in case you're living on a different planet, The world has been chaotic. 2020 has been no less than a dumpster fire. The Rockefeller Plaza tree is primary evidence of that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look up Rockefeller Plaza Christmas tree. You'll see what I'm saying. This year has been a dumpster fire. And I feel like there was probably a minutia of saving grace, um, just after like the election happened but i feel like that has been a only a brief brief moment of like oh we know what's going on and then suddenly nope actually that's a lie nobody knows what's happening and so there's just been a lot of moving things a lot of chaos a lot of uncertainty a lot of confusion a lot of even fear. Um, and especially if you're living in a place like where I'm at here in Oregon or in Washington, or one of the other places that is in another phase of shutdown, even if you're like in the UK and you're listening to this, I have a couple of friends in UK and maybe one or two in Europe, but like, if you're in a place where there's lockdowns happening, yeah, it feels like there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, And so I kind of wanted to speak to that today in terms of how are we going about centering ourselves amidst feeling like the outside world is in chaos? How do we turn inward to be able to actually center on ourselves and center on what we need to do to be able to keep going through um, and making it to the next day? In addition to that, at the end of this podcast, I also want to take a brief moment to talk about how we can care for each other and actually care about each other. Because as a side note, I think that there is this insane, insane ill going on in our country about people not giving a hoot about others. So we'll get to that at the end. But for now, I have a couple of things that I really just wanted to hit on in terms of like... How are we going about centering ourselves, centering our minds, centering our attention and centering our bodies on the present moment? If you've been listening to the podcast, you'll know that I've talked about the power of now the book by Eckhart Tolle, a multitude of times, and I've read read out of it more than once, I think at least once, but I think more than once. And today we're going to take another excerpt out of that book, um, because I think that when we go about this process of centering ourselves. Um, it's kind of, a, in my opinion, a three-pronged approach. And I'm going to start by kind of explaining first, what does it mean to center yourself or to become more centered? So becoming more centered or centering oneself, it means bringing your awareness and your attention back onto your experience as a human over and over and over and over again. And this isn't meant to sound like selfish. This is not a selfish thing. It is a paying attention to what you are currently experiencing in your life as a human right now in this moment. And I know that in the last couple of years, there's been this whole kind of like culture of quote, self-care floating around. And to me, that idea is kind of half-baked or very half-hearted, because a lot of people portray self-care as being this really like floaty, kind of fluffy thing. You know, it's not just like bath bombs and manicures or like binging on Netflix, you know, or taking a nap or sleeping in or whatever. Like, yeah, those things can qualify as self-care. But the reality is, is that's not actually helping you to be able to really examine what is causing you distress in your life and learning how to cope with it. I think that um, a big part of growing as an individual is really taking the time to actually analyze the things that are bothering you or the things that are causing you distress and either learning how you respond to certain things, why you respond in the way that you do, and seeing how you can adjust your responses to create less distress for yourself going forward. And it's not to say that we should accept negative things in our lives. Certainly not. That's not what I'm saying at all, but there is a difference of just like rolling over and just accepting, you know, thing, negative things as they are versus doing our best to, um, improve the quality of our lives every single day. And so much of that has to do with our own day-to-day efforts, um, both in our actions and in our, um, in our minds. So yes, the fluffy stuff is important, but let's bring it back to something that is a bit more cerebral and something that is a bit more um, intentional and a bit more in-depth. I'm not afraid to go deep. I hope you weren't either. So stick around because we're going to keep going deep. The first step in coming back to ourselves is noticing that we are in fact highly distracted. Um, I don't think it's a secret. I think everybody knows that we live in a very distracted world. Um, our phones are like the if I had to point the culprit at one thing, I would say it's our phones. Our phones have become this thing that are literally attached to us at all times. We feel unsafe without them. Um, and we feel like not having a phone is a it's a problem. Um, And I'm not going to go so far as to say that it isn't a problem to not have a phone or that it's fine to not have a phone. Um, But I'm going to at least acknowledge that they keep us extremely distracted, which is both what they were designed to do, at least the way that the the phones exist in their current state now. They're designed to keep us distracted. um, And it ultimately corrodes our ability to have meaningful social interactions with each other. And obviously this year has made that even more difficult, but, um, I won't pretend that the problem didn't exist before this year came into fruition. So paying attention to how distracted we are noticing the areas in your life where you are really distracted, whether it's from your phone, YouTube, Netflix, um, all of the like other busy things that people work, work is like such a big thing for so many people. Um, and I really want to get you to think about like how all of these distractions, while yes, a lot of them are meant to entertain you. That's exactly what they're doing. They're entertaining you so that you never have to be bored. But the problem with never being bored is that it doesn't give us really the opportunity because quite frankly, we're not that disciplined. It doesn't give us the opportunity to then turn our attention inward, right? And ultimately, in my opinion, not being bored ever blunts our ability for expanded creativity. I think expanded creativity is a product sometimes of being bored and finding things to do or creating new ways to be. Um, As an example When I was working in the ER years ago at this point, I would see so many people that had these problems that have been going on with them, these health problems that they've had for years, but they never did anything to address it until they were in severe pain. Listen to that. So many people that I came across that would walk into that ER had medical problems that they had had known about for years but they didn't do anything significant to address it because it didn't cause them pain. Now contrast that into this current year that we are in. And y'all, if you're not in pain, you must not be living on planet earth because we in pain and it's causing so many people to wake up and it's causing us to flail and say oh my gosh how did we get here what's going on i don't understand this i feel really bad and so many of us because we have been constantly entertained and we're never forced to develop coping mechanisms people are struggling they are flailing right and i'm not going to say that i'm as so like highly developed and so you know enlightened that i am not flailing certainly i'm human too but So many people are flailing because they haven't figured out how to develop coping mechanisms for themselves when things get hard or when they experience pain because they've had so many things to numb the pain, right? So the first step in centering ourselves is bringing our attention back to the present moment. This moment that you are in right now that you're listening to me, I'm in your ears. I want you to take a big, deep breath wherever you are, even if you're driving, if you're walking, whatever it is that you're doing, you got to take a breath anyway. So let's make the next one a really, really big one. And then a really, really big exhale, long breath out. Okay. You are here right now. Take this moment to simply observe the things that are around you. I think that this particular tactic is really amazing for when you are suddenly experiencing very heightened emotions and you feel it in your body. One of the coolest things that you can do for yourself is to be able to root yourself in the present moment by identifying concrete things that you see in front of you. In absolute truths, there are four walls around me. The floor is supporting me. I am sitting in a chair. There are windows in this room. There are clouds in the sky. I am Rachel Wood. Those sorts of things, these very concrete things can help ground us in reality when we feel such intense emotions of uncertainty, right? So bringing ourselves into the present moment is literally everything. And I wanted to read an excerpt from The Power of Now from Eckhart Tolle. And it's towards the beginning of the book when he's explaining this idea of being in the now, what that really means, and the true, like, the power of it. If you haven't read this book, I encourage you to go either buy it from an independent bookseller. First and foremost, if you're in Salem, go down to the book bin or pre-order it from them, whatever, get the book. If all else fails and you cannot get it from a local bookstore, you can download it on Kindle but or get it from Amazon. But indie bookstores first, friends. So, He formats this book in sort of a question-answer type style, Um, but the question is, aren't the past and future just as real, sometimes even more real than the present? After all, the past determines who we are as well as how we perceive and behave in the present, and our future goals determine which actions we take in the present. This is kind of that question statement thing. And his response is this, You haven't yet grasped the essence of what I am saying because you are trying to understand it mentally. The mind cannot understand this. Only you can. Please just listen. Have you ever experienced, done, thought, or felt anything outside the now? Do you think you ever will? Is it possible for anything to happen or be outside the now? The answer is obvious, is it not? Nothing ever happened in the past. It happened in the now. Nothing will ever happen in the future. It will happen in the now. What you think of as the past is a memory trace stored in the mind of a former now. When you remember the past, you reactivate a memory trace, and you do so now. The future is an imagined now, a projection of the mind When the future comes, it comes as the now. When you think about the future, you do it now. Past and future obviously have no reality of their own, just as the moon has no light of its own, but it can only reflect the light of the sun. So are past and future only pale reflections of the light, power, and reality of the eternal present. Their reality is borrowed from the now. That is so... So good. Yes, it sounds super cerebral, but everything that he says is so true. You can't experience anything outside of this present moment that you are in right now. And when you think about the past and the future, they truly are simply just projections of the mind. So when we are trying to center ourselves, that is why bringing yourself into the present moment right now is everything. It grounds you into who you are. Because who you are is not this person of the past. It is not a projection of the future. It is right now in this moment. Mm, So good. So, so good. So the next step in centering ourselves is bringing ourselves back into the physical body. The physical body is... something that a lot of people, a lot of people really struggle to be in, be in, in the present, be in, in the now, unless there's the presence of pain. Pain is this radical, amazing thing that draws us right into the moment. Think about it like this. You're going about your merry way and You have a whole week in front of you planned out. You got all these, all these things that you're going to do. And then suddenly on a Tuesday afternoon, you start feeling really, really nauseated. And you're like, Hmm, this is weird. I don't normally feel nauseated. And of course, if you're a woman, you go through all the checks. Am I pregnant? Oh my God. I don't know. I'm not sure. Wait, no, uh, there's no way. I'm totally fine. We're good. But you start getting nauseated. And you're like, man, I just, I do not feel well. And your stomach starts to cramp and it starts to hurt. And you're like, ah, and then you sense something bad is coming. And you're like, I got to go home. Something is not right. So you go home for the rest of the day and you get home and bad things happen in the bathroom. I won't get graphic, but bad things happen in the bathroom and It happens the entire rest of the day. And then you wake up the next morning and it's just a replay of that same pain, that same nausea, that same disaster all day long. And that happens for the next five days. And while you're in it, the only thing that you can do is make it from hour to hour, just trying who deal with the pain, with the discomfort, with the just feeling like absolute trash. Why are those moments so memorable? Because they forced us to be in the present moment. They're poignant. That moment happened for me, by the way, that was a real story. Um, like four years ago, I got so sick with what I'm pretty sure was like either E. coli or Giardia. And I spent a week on the toilet. It was awful, 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 awful. Can't even tell you. But I remembered the pain that that week brought me so clearly and so memorably because I was just going about my life. If I hadn't gotten sick, I would not have remembered that week ev- like at all. There's no reason I would have. But because I was in pain, I experienced it. I remembered it. I was fully present for all of it. It was not happy. It was not a good time, but it was a memorable time. But this is why bringing ourselves into our bodies and creating that moment of awareness for ourselves is so key. We like neglect our bodies so much. And I'm not talking about just like the health of our bodies. That's another subject entirely. But just like the act of being in our bodies. So when you are thinking about being in your body, for some people this can be kind of a loaded thing because of maybe thoughts that they have about their bodies or because they think that spending time in their body intentionally is just a waste of time, it's unproductive, yada yada yada. And I would argue that that's wholly untrue and that this is the one home that you have that will be yours forever for as long as you're on this earth. So best to spend some quality time with it. Right. And Something that's not just a movement or exercise, because for me, I don't know about you guys, but when I've done like intense, aggressive exercise in the past, oftentimes that's not really the time for me to actually be in tune with my body. Uh, My brain actually like checks out from that experience. Um, So especially if I'm like running or something like that, like I like literally I've run to the point where like my legs start to just like go numb because they're just on autopilot and I feel like I'm not actually in control of my body. My legs are just going. So like as an example, exercise doesn't always do that for me, but oftentimes when I actually like come to my yoga mat or I come to sit on the chair to meditate or I am in my car alone before I go into the house and I'm just there. I'm just breathing. That's what I mean by coming into the body. And to take that even a step deeper, when I was working as a nurse, one of the things that, um, a lot of surgical patients would get for joint replacements was called a spinal anesthetic block. And so the anesthesiologist, if you're one of my anesthesia friends listening, or one of my nurse friends from PACU, love you, miss you. When people get a spinal block, they get this shot of the numbing agent, whatever the medication is into their spinal column, into the area surrounding their spinal cord, right? So what happens is different than an epidural. So with you, when you get an epidural, any woman that has had one knows this, but when you get an epidural, it's injected into a slightly different space. So you never lose what's called proprioception, you never lose that awareness of where your limbs are in space, and you also maintain pressure sensitivity. Right? You'll lose hot cold sensitivity with an epidural, but pressure sensitivity maintains while your pain is diminished or gone. With a spinal block, you cannot move your legs. You cannot move anything below where the spinal uh, injection was given. When it's at its uh, full height, and you lose sense of proprioception. You lose the ability to be able to sense where your legs and your lower body are in space. You can't feel temperature. You can't feel touch. You can't feel sensation. You can't even like feel that you have legs. It's really fascinating. So that's your proprioception. And then there's your interoception, which is actually the sensation that you have of your internal body, right? When you get hungry, when you get full, um, And when you feel things moving around in your belly, when you um, feel like those internal sensations, right? That's your interoception. Um, But the idea, the reason I bring that up is because taking moments to bring awareness to the body in that way, I think is really, really important. And the reason I know that a lot of people have no idea what their own bodies are doing is because of how many years I've been teaching yoga. It was always fascinating to me when I would give a verbal instruction and then what somebody would do in response to that with their body was completely different than what I was dictating to them. And even when, and that's why I think like in a yoga class, especially having mirrors is super important. And that's why gyms have mirrors Is so that people can see what their bodies are doing in space. Without them, most people are doing very wacky things, but it's because they don't have awareness of their bodies. It is so interesting. And so, taking moments in your day to actually come back to your body, to pay attention to what your body is doing, how it's feeling, being in it, being with it, is everything. It's so important. This is how you can root yourself in the now, root yourself in reality, in the present body that you're in. You don't need to rely on pain to do that for you. Some people do that. Some people rely on experiencing pain in the now so that they can dis- they can eliminate their worries and their fears and their thoughts about the past and about the future. That's why people who cut themselves do that. Because their minds are tormenting them so much about the past and about the future that they have to bring themselves into the now to be able to feel like they are here. It's so heartbreaking, but I can completely understand it. You can do this action of being in the body in a variety of ways, whether it's dance or yoga or breath work or sex, solo or with your partner. basic stretching getting a massage oh that's like honestly one of my favorite ways to practice being in my body because I've done that before I've gotten a massage where I'm like I literally feel like I wasn't even there because my mind was running the whole time that is not relaxing yo. and that feels like a waste of a good massage I do everything in my power to make sure that I am present during those things But that's the way that you can start to actually maintain presence and bring yourself back into the body, centering yourself. Now, let's take it a step further. Centering the mind. Earlier, I talked about bringing your awareness to the present moment. And now we're going to take that a step further in the sense of we're not just bringing the awareness to the present moment, but we're bringing awareness to ourselves in the, in the mind. We're bringing awareness to ourselves, cerebrally paying attention to our thoughts. I know you guys have heard me talk about this on this podcast, even before we became the Becoming You podcast back when it was still all about like life coaching hundred percent. But this is what I mean when I say that being present with yourself equals you paying attention to your thoughts, paying attention to where your brain is going, paying attention to what you're thinking about every single day. And so many, I don't know what the statistic is, but like, I think it's like 98% of the things that you thought about yesterday, you're going to be thinking about today because so much of what we do is habituated and our thoughts are more habituated than anything that we do. Right? The only time that we have new thoughts is when we introduce new information. And quite frankly, the vast majority of us we're doing the same damn things every day. We read the same things. We have the same thoughts all the time. And so the reality is, is that if you're not paying attention to the types of thoughts that you're having, it can either contribute to building up your life or it can contribute, can contribute to tearing down your life. One of the two. And so bringing ourselves into the present moment mentally means catching yourself, catching your thoughts, paying attention to, what have I been thinking about today? Where's my brain been? What have I been thinking about for the last week? Have I been paying attention to myself? What is this doing for me? And you guys, I used to be that person that it really, really struggled with cyclical negative thoughts. And I've eventually learned how to be able to pay attention to myself in a way that I can catch when I'm experiencing those negative thoughts and tell them to stop and force myself to move on. I used to not be able to have that skill. I didn't have that skill at all. And I know that that's something that comes with time and maturity, all that kind of stuff. But your thoughts can become highly believable. And if you're not like onto yourself consistently, you'll let your thoughts dictate what you do and who you become. And rather than being a, the CEO of your own brain, you get to become the passenger when you do that. And I don't know about you, but I fully intend on being the CEO. I don't want to be a passenger in this ride because this is my life. And I want to be able to say when I get to the end of it, that I was as present as I could have possibly been every day. And I know that the way that we're all, that we're all living right now is very distracted. We're not present. We're not present with each other. We're not present with ourselves. And it's not actually taking us anywhere. It's keeping us stuck. It's keeping us like, it's quite frankly, it's keeping us fighting and, so I really encourage you today think about the ways in which you can start paying attention to your own thoughts and the best way I think to do that for very beginners is just journaling. I'm not asking you to meditate. I'm not asking you to like sit there and chant ohm even though I do that and I love it. Um but I am asking you to start paying attention to your thoughts and what you're th- and really just the the way you're functioning day to day. Because even just journaling gets you to put something down on paper. It gets you to think about your life. Another thing that so many of us don't even do. We don't even think about our lives. We're so distracted by everything else that's going on around us and outside of us that we're not even thinking about, how is this affecting my life? How is this, what, what does any of this have to do with me personally? usually it has very little to do with you, (laughs) right? But just start with something simple like journaling. Just start writing down whatever comes to your brain. Write down what are the things that you've been struggling with lately. Write down the ways that you've been feeling, but just start. Just start getting in touch with that. I think I've, I've read enough stories of people this year admitting their struggles and admitting the things that they're dealing with and I just, like, all I can think about is just this, like, why haven't you been paying attention? Like, did you not see this sooner? And then my second thought after that is, no, they didn't. They didn't see this thing because they were likely very distracted and they were struggling to be able to be present in the moment long enough to see the beginnings of pain. And only when it got really painful did they stop to do something about it. It's kind of like, mm, it's kind of like when you start getting a blister, right? You're walking along on the trail, maybe you got a new pair of hiking boots or whatever, and you can feel it. You can like feel the blister starting to develop. And then after you walk your 10 miles or whatever, it's full freaking blown. Maybe it's not even a pair of hiking boots. Maybe it's you walking around in high heels and you know dang well that you shouldn't be. And lo and behold, you're like, I can feel it. I can feel it on my toes. I know it's coming. And then you get to the end of the day and you're like, yep, I got the freaking blister the size of a quarter. Nice. And it (laughs) We just kept walking in it. We just kept walking around with that blister slowly developing. And even though we knew what was going on, we didn't do anything about it. Tell me we're not totally, totally like, it's so asinine, but then it's like, oh yeah, you kind of deserve it. You knew what was happening and you didn't do anything about it. I guess you deserve the blister, but I'm going to try and be a little bit more compassionate about it than that, which that brings me to my last thing. We need to have a discussion here about caring about other people. I feel like there is somehow, and I don't know when this happened. Maybe this has always been a thing, but I feel like it didn't used to be like this. When did we stop caring about each other? When did people stop giving a shit about other people? I've noticed this not just in the last you know, a couple of years, but I've noticed this in the last like decade or so. It's just continued to be this perpetuation of this idea that nobody else matters. And that if you don't like my way, you can go screw yourself and like tough beans, man, y'all, that is not very community promoting. That's not very community enhancing. And I think that For somebody that's grown up in a town like Salem, Oregon, Salem has always been a community that has not really been much of a community. Yes, there's people that live, there's a fair number of people that live here. I think our population is like 160,000 people. It's not a tiny town, not anymore. And Salem is a place that really up until very recently, and I mean very recently, has not been a strong community. That's just my perception. But after having been here for almost 30 years now, it's, oh my gosh, I can't even believe I'm saying that. But I've been in this town for almost 30 years. And it's, it's never resembled this place that I felt was really welcoming until very recently. And I think that I'm not alone in that feeling of like, This is how a gen like generally our country is right now, especially people stopped caring about each other. And I don't know why, what happened to the whole, like, yeah, you can walk in whenever you want. And I'm not just talking about 2020 long before that, this whole idea of like, oh my gosh, you have to call and text and prearrange two weeks in advance before you come over to my house. Otherwise, it's considered totally awkward, really inconvenient, and very rude. What? Like, what happened to open-door, like, front-porch hangouts, man? Like, when I was a kid, and I'm not trying to just, like, harken back to the past here, but, like, legit, when I was a kid, all the neighborhood kids hung together. We lived in a cul-de-sac, so it was a very safe place to, to be and let the kids run around outside and stuff. Always, I, I was privileged in that regard. But, like, now, it's almost like... I've, I've talked to so many moms that they're just like, oh, I just, I feel terrible if I, you know, just ask too much of the other moms, like, oh, can my child come and play? Oh, like, I feel bad. I don't want to inconvenience them. I know that they've got their own things that they're working on, that they're dealing with, yada, yada, yada. Holy cannoli. And, and it's just like, we act like we have to do everything that are ourselves and that we, you know, that we can't have this community when that's just so not the case, I think part of this is that digital distraction, but I also think that part of this is just a serious lack of empathy. And if I'm being like super transparent, I feel like so much of that lack of community has come from a disillusionment of the younger generation in our older leadership, but then also... Um, in faith-based communities. Man, I wanted to be the biggest believer in my church communities that I was in growing up, but dang, I just couldn't be because it didn't exemplify unity to me. It didn't exemplify community. It exemplified click mentality and club behavior. And that just was not what I was interested in. I was not into that at all. And like, yeah, you could walk into a new church and everybody would be so nice to you the first Sunday that you show up. But then after that, you find out all the, you know, dirty political crap that's going on behind the scenes. And that was like every church I ever went to. And I get that it's because there's people running it. There's, they're humans. But at the same time, I've just never been in a place where I felt like there was such a strong community that really like had your back, you know, and I know that my husband came from a family where they, and another family that they were friends with, they just kind of built this little mini community for themselves, um, on the street that they lived on. And to this day, it's still very much there. Um, but I didn't really grow up with that strong sense of like, you know, community support. I was always in the position of like, You know, you're kind of on your own. And if you expect other people to care about your problems, like you're going to have a rude awakening sort of thing. And so much of the world proved that to be correct for me, that nobody cares about your problems. And I just don't understand why that has to be the case. Why can't we actually care about other people? Why can't people with, you know, give a rip enough to actually do something And those people that do care, man, they are like out, you know, flailing in the wind. I feel like I watched an episode of um, Queer Eye where there was a woman who just like literally killing herself, harming her own health and just not taking care of herself well because she was so invested in her community. She was bending over backwards for them every single day and everyone loved her for it. And it's not to say that I think that you should, you know, kill yourself for your community in the sense of like, you know, never take a moment for yourself, never take care of yourself, certainly not. But in the sense of like, we got to stick together, you guys, in the sense of like, I don't really care about anyone else other than myself. And namely, I don't care about anyone else's viewpoint or life experience other than myself. And if someone has a different viewpoint than me, then they're obviously not somebody I want to talk to or be around. Like, wow is this where we're at? Because this is not the type of place that I want to be in. I want to be in a place where I can walk down the street to my neighbor's house and knock on the door and not have it feel like it's an intrusion. I want to be able to call upon my friend when I'm having a really tough moment and know that she's going to be there at any moment's notice for me to be able to cry to her on the phone. I want to know that there are good people in my community doing amazing things. I want to know that I can be part of the solution by doing simple stuff, like picking up freaking trash when I take the dog for a walk and that there's other people that do that stuff too. You know, like it's just basic things basic decency, but dang, I feel like so much of this stuff has gone out the window. So I just want to encourage you today, wherever you are, find some empathy, like do your dangdest, find some freaking empathy for other people. Focus on yourself, replenish yourself, center yourself on the present moment. And then we go out if there is one thing that I learned in church that I am like, oh yes, this every day of the week, you replenish and you restore yourself. And then we go out, we go out to serve. We go out to care for other people. We go out to pick other people up and support them when they need us. That's one thing that I'll never ever take for granted. Thank you church for teaching me that, but we got to have a, a reckoning folks. We got to have a reckoning friends. Like so much of what we're doing every day is making us sick. And if watching memes on the internet is not helping you to be able to, you know, better other people or better yourself, get off, get off the internet, steal your eyes away from what isn't helping, what isn't serving, what isn't creating betterment for the world and for ourselves. And I'm saying this just as much to myself as I am to you. So don't think that I'm, you know, just trying to (laughs) preach from the pulpit here, but we got to make some changes, friends. And I know that this year has brought a lot of this stuff to light for so many of us, but we see it now. So let's get to work that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. Again, I'll just say it over and over and over again. If you have not read books, like the power of now a new earth, or if you've never heard Eckhart Tolle or teach not Han, teach not Han, same thing. So good. One of my favorite books, life-changing for me, living Buddha, living Christ, such a great comparative analysis. Let's start to do some work on ourselves. Let's do the work on ourselves so that we can go out and support ourselves, support our friends, support our families, support our communities and be better. Okay. That's what I wanted to share with you this week. I hope it's encouraging. I hope it's inspiring. Know that I am metaphorically holding your hand and with you all the way. And if you have questions or comments, please don't hesitate to reach out to me Um, You can send me a message on Instagram at realist underscore Rach, or you can send me an email, Rachel at rachelwoodart.com. You can also send inquiries from the website, just www.rachelwoodart.com. And if you're not following me on Instagram, please come follow me over there. I want to see you. I want to interact with you. And if you want to subscribe to The podcast, I highly recommend that you do that so that you can see them every single Friday when they get uploaded, when they get published, um, so that you don't have to rely on me reminding you elsewhere. Um, You can also find me on Facebook. I'm just Rachel Wood over there. I don't post as frequently on Facebook, though. It's not my fave place. Instagram's my fave place. That's where we hang out. I'm sending you so much love and encouragement today. We are good people, so let's start acting like it, okay? Okay. Love you, friends. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.